Because you know what happens with pastors is they think in the study, they go like, I'm really going to call people to a decision tonight. And then as they preach, and you know, depending on what people decide, and then they're like, well, maybe, maybe I won't. I'm going to call you to respond tonight. I feel like that's what God has for our church. That's what he's asking us to do. And so at the end, I'm going to rip off a story from a, I'd like to call him a friend. It's, it's actually just a comedian. Um, Michael Jr., and I have a story to tell you, and, and I'll ask you to make a decision in regards to that. So let me start the message with this. What do I do when I'm drowning? Ever felt like that? Brides feel that on their wedding day, probably. Oh my goodness, is it all going to work out? Oh! I'm doing three premarital counselings right now. And I just see the bride's stress level go up as we get closer to the wedding. And I keep telling them, like, the great American wedding is a killer. Like, all you're trying to do is honor God and get hitched, right? This is a covenant relationship. You want to be in it forever. But if the day doesn't go just to your liking, just know that God was in control, right? What do you do? What do I do? When I'm drowning. Have you ever been drowning? Maybe in grief? Under it all? The pressure of it all? When life circumstances have you feeling so down, so overwhelmed, so stressed, that you think you're about to hit rock bottom. I think many of us have experienced that in the last year. That thing I'm just describing now. That moment of like, oh no. Well, aren't you glad we have a Bible? Turn to Jonah chapter 2, because Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah and the big fish, the great fish. That's our food for tonight. But it's not just about the whale. It's about the trip, right? It's about God getting him from one place to another. And I pray that God will get you from one place, where you're at right now, to another place by the end of this message. I pray that you will be changed radically. So pick up Jonah where we left off, under the water, right? What was it like? Look at verse 15 of Jonah chapter 1. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. They didn't want to, but they did. And the sea ceased raging. That was a miracle. You go back and listen to last week's message. Matter of fact, uh, on the bulletin, the online bulletin, I left the questions from last week up. Um, So right at the bottom it says, offer a sacrifice, what needs to die? And it says, make a vow, what should I be doing? What should I start doing? So I put those things on the bottom of the bulletin, right, so that uh, you guys could remember those because, again, Jonah's going to offer a sacrifice. Again, Jonah's going to make a vow at the end, and so I wanted you to remember that those are there, and you can go back and listen to last week's message if you didn't. But the men feared the Lord exceedingly. These were unsaved men who now are like, what? There's a God, and he's powerful. We were praying to our little G-gods, but this God is vast. And he has just created the worst storm we've ever seen into like a calm in a second. 
That's supernatural. And they knew it. So what did they do? And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And I asked you at the end of last week, offer a sacrifice and make some vows. Remember my sacrifice? Not talking to the refs. Remember that? I did okay. How did I do, Adam? Better than more normal? I did okay. I did, I did well this week. But it's a vow, too. I'm going to do well tonight. When I live, leave here, there's another game tonight. So, by God's grace, that's the sacrifice and the vow I made. What was the sacrifice and the vow you made? How'd it go this week? That's why I left the questions down, so you could keep going. Okay, now, it says in verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Is that significant? Yeah, I got a little red J by that for Jesus. That's significant. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, hell, I cried. And you heard me. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet, it's a key turning point, I shall look upon your holy temple. By faith, he says the statement. Yet, I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, he's hit bottom. I went down to the land, touchdown. Those bars closed upon me forever. He's like, the end. I'm done. It's over. Expecting my last breath any moment. That's what I was talking about. Have you ever hit rock bottom? It's flu season. There doesn't seem to be a lot of flu this year. But this is how I'd describe it for you. When you have the flu, here's what happens. First, you're like, I think I'm going to die. Right? And then you get to that point where you're like, dang, I am not going to die. I wish I could have. You know? And that's where Jonah's at. He's at this point where he's like, I want to die. I'm running from God. I'll do anything to run from God. As a matter of fact, I'll die in order to get out of doing what God wants me to do. He's about to hit, he maybe has hit rock bottom. Down, 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 like I preached in the first message, and then forever. That's a pretty final language. This is forever. I'm done. All right, look at the next verse. Look at the just proclamation of faith again. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. You should circle that. You should highlight that. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you. 
into your holy temple. And then he throws this weird verse, verse 8. I still can't figure it out, but I'm going to try to preach. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Now that's a trip. So I don't know what you're going through, what rock bottom you've hit this last year. Does it compare? That's a trip. That's crazy. He's gone down, 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 down. He's in trouble. Unless something changes, unless we are rescued or saved from this thing, the results are certain. It's forever. We are headed in the wrong direction. Today, I'm going to answer this phrase, God saves me when. God saves me when. Okay? So the title of the message, let's go back to that. The title of the message is Look Up. I need you to look up. God's love is waiting for you to look up. God's love is waiting for you to open up your heart to Him. God's love is waiting for you to open up and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm here for you. This life isn't about me. I'm here for you. So, God saves me when, here's the first point. God saves me when I don't deserve it. God saves me when I don't deserve it. You see it there in chapter 1. Does Jonah deserve to be rescued? (laughs) It's like, uh, no. God's given him so many chances. Uh, Captain of the ship came and said, Hey, hey, get up and pray. Arise. Where has he heard that before? From God. Rise, go to Nineveh. Didn't repent. Finally, he's like, just throw me over, right? And God's now given him another chance to repent. And does he do it? Again, like people debate, like, well, yeah, he did, he didn't, he didn't. Like, There's a lot of I, me, my language in here. It seems pretty self-centered, to tell you the truth. It is a prayer of thanksgiving, which we realize he's written this down after the fact, Right? He's happy to be alive. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of like, God, I'm so sorry I ran from you. I will never do it again. I'm going to go do what you told me to do. No. He comes back to the bottom and he says, but with a voice of thanksgiving, this is a prayer of thanksgiving, not a prayer of repentance, will sacrifice to you So I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to give the sacrifice for what I have vowed I will pay. See, have you ever been in that situation where you're like, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just get me out of this one. Nobody's responding. 
Nobody's ever done that? I've done that like 20 times in my life. Anybody? All right, maybe I have to have you raise your hand. Anybody ever said, God, if you get me out of this pickle I'm in, if you get me out of this one, I'll do whatever you want. All right. Were you guys online? Yeah, you're just smirking at the pastor too. I, I get it. It's like, no, not me. All right, well, thank you for raising your hands. Thank you for making me feel better. I've been in that spot, and, and he's in that spot. He's like, oh, I'll vow. If you save me from this one, I'll sacrifice. I'll do what you told me to do. Imagine that getting spit up on dry land. He thought he was in hell. He mentions Joel. He mentions the pit. He's like, he thought he was dead. His skin's burning from the acid. What did he look like when he came out? That was gross. All right. Here's the thing. God's love comes to us when we don't deserve it. God saves us. He rescues us when I don't deserve it. So if you think, I'm a good church kid. met some ninth graders. You've probably been in church most of your life. I'm, I'm a good church kid. My poop doesn't smell. I look out across the world and, yeah, they need Jesus. But I'm all right. Like, that's how I grew up. That's what I thought. Until God made it really obvious to me through my gross sin that I was Jonah. That I am Jonah. And that I don't deserve His grace or His mercy any more than anyone else. And yet He chose to show me His love for me. So here's some verses I want to share with you. I'm just going to throw them on the screen really quick. First one's Philippians 2.8. Okay? And being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That's what Jesus did for you. All right? And then we'll flip over uh, to, give it to me, because I, I don't remember. Oh, Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us when I was still a sinner, when I didn't deserve it. And then it says in Hebrews 12, 3, 3 and 4, Consider him, Jesus, who endured for, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. I think some of us are like, ugh, this is so hard. We get, woe is me, a little Eeyore. I deserve it. It's going bad for me again. <laughs> really? God's grace? In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But it's coming. Can I stand up and be the first pastor to say, if somebody else hasn't? Persecution's coming. I see where our nation's going. In order to say the things that I'm saying, in order to do the things that we should do in Jesus' name, there's going to be some recoil. You might have to shed your blood. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. I can't say I deserve it. I can't say I'm good enough. It's a gift from God and God alone. The first point, I don't deserve it. Jonah didn't deserve to be three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. He deserved to die. He didn't deserve for a fish to be his rescue. Orchestrated, do you see it there? And the Lord appointed. This isn't chance. This isn't circumstance. This isn't just like, oh man, what a great thing. Fish swallowed me up. I gave him a little tummy ache. He spit me out on dry land. Whatever. It was awesome. This isn't an allegory. This actually happened. God appointed a fish. That trial, that moment where you're drowning and you're like, I'm hitting rock bottom, that's appointed by God. Here's the thing. In the moment, and we've had moments like that, it doesn't feel like it. But from this book, Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal Prophet, it says, with 2020 hindsight, when you look back on your trials, we can see that the most important lessons we have learned in life are the result of God's severe mercy. They are events that were difficult or even excruciating at the time, but later became or later came to yield more good in our lives than we could have foreseen. Jonah got to preach another day. Jonah got to live another day. Jonah got to be in the belly of a fish, alone with his thoughts and his God for three days and three nights. Think about it. Maybe that trial you're going through, maybe that thing that's bogged you down, maybe that's just God's love waiting for you to turn and face him so that he can say, I'm right here. I love you more than you've ever known. And I'm using this in your life to draw you closer to me. All you need to do is return. So I said it this way. God's love is waging war on my sin on my selfishness, and on my self-righteousness. That's what he's doing through that trial in your life. All right, second thing. God saves me when I call out to him in desperation. Look at verses 1 through 6. Jonah prayed. He was saying, I called out. The best thing is, God answered me. From the belly of Sheol, from hell itself, I cried out. And do you know what the best thing is? God heard me. So whatever you're going through right now, if you don't think God's listening, He's listening. You should cry out to Him. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. I always like to just point out that like, Jonah wasn't driven away from God's sight by Jonah. Or by God. He was driven away by himself. Right? He chose to walk away, right? God didn't force him to walk away. Yet I shall look upon your holy temple. What a statement of faith. 
The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I want to act that out. Levi, you want to help me? Come here. Come on, come on. All right, come here. All right, so this is kind of what it was like for Jonah. You ever get to that spot where you feel surrounded? You're like, right on up here, come on. All right, here, hold this right here. Hold that on the front of you. Uh, I got to go again. Okay, ready? Hold it on the front of you. You got to turn and face the camera. That way, there you go. This is kind of what it would be like. You're good now. You ever wanted to teepee a person instead of a house? Yeah, that's what it is like. All right, there you go. So that's what it's like. He's like, hey, thanks. You can go back to your seat now. How's that going to work? So, so Jonah's like this, right? He's like wrapped up, seaweed all around, can't see, can't, like you're not opening your eyes in the ocean anyway. Have you ever been in the ocean? <laughs> you're not opening your eyes in the ocean. All right, so here's the deal. Like he's like down, 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 surrounded over. Here's another illustration for you. You ever been to, like I got like going to like these fancy w- water parks like Kalahari or something, you know, in Wisconsin Dells, and they have this like waterfall in their hot tub, and you, it kind of like, feels nice on the shoulders. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. A little trial isn't bad. It just feels kind of nice. and Just like let, let your love pour down on me just a little bit. But God's severe mercies. I've been to Niagara Falls a few times. You ever been to Niagara Falls? Who's been to Niagara Falls? All right. Well, just go watch some video of that. That's like a lot of water coming over really fast, and if you're there, you're dead. That's kind of how I picture this. Billows, waves, sea, like crashing down on him, right? Not just a little waterfall. Oh, that feels so good. Oh, oh, the back. It's like, I'm going to die. It's all coming down on me. That's how I picture it. And he says, I called out to God in desperation. God saves me when I call out to him in desperation. God's love is not only, you know, waging war on your sin, selfishness, and self-righteousness, but God's love is waiting for you to be surrounded by your sin, by your selfishness, by your self-righteousness. God's waiting for all of the stuff that naturally is in your life since Adam and Eve sinned. You were born a sinner. Did you know that? Did you know we're all dying? It's not good news at church today. We're all dying. I'm getting older. I feel it every day. I'm dying. But you know what? I also have this problem. I was born dead. Like, what does that mean? I was born dead spiritually, disconnected from the Spirit. My Spirit and the Holy Spirit, disconnected. But God made a way through the blood of Jesus Christ to save me and to connect the Spirit back so that when I'm connected, I'm alive. Not just physically, although I'll die one day physically, but spiritually, since I'm connected, I will never die. I am living in eternal life. And my spirit will live forever. That's salvation. That's saving me. And when did that happen for you? And when did that happen for me? Was it when we were like, meh, I think I'll just ask Jesus into my heart. 
Or was it when you were like, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. I am the most selfish person I know. I want what I want, when I want, I want it the way I want it. Sounds like a Burger King commercial, right? And I'm self-righteous. I think I'm better than other people. It's when you get to that moment in your life and you go, God, I need you. Please save me from myself, from my sin, from my self-righteousness. That's when God saves us. All right, I'm going to keep rolling. Here's the last point. And I struggled over this one the most. God saves me when I surrender my life to do His will. When I surrender my life and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Jonah's like, God, you want me to go to Nineveh? I said I wouldn't. I ran from it. I still don't want to. Just to be clear, he still doesn't want to. You're going to figure it out later. But because you rescued me, my prayer of thanksgiving comes back to you and says, I have vowed I will pay. I'm offering the sacrifice that I said. I'm yours. I'm going to go do this thing that you asked me to do. And revival takes place. We'll get to that next week. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 is really a recap of the first couple points. When my life was fainting away, I didn't deserve it, right? I'm just a sinner. I remembered the Lord. Second point, I cried out to Him. I called out to Him in desperation. I called out to the one I knew could save me. I went through the Rolodex. I went through my phone of people, and I was like, who can help me? And the only one left was God Almighty. So I called him, and he rescued me. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols, do you even know what a vain idol is? Again, I should have brought the little wood carving of the like lion and the wood carving of the like elephant I have from the mission field. Like that's what maybe idols look like to people in Africa or, you know, South America. What do idols look like to you? Much more sophisticated, eh? I carry this around with me everywhere. When I wake up, I have to make it a rule not to grab this before I grab my Bible. Does that seem like an idol to you? Is it vain? It gets in the way of God. I tell my kids to have a phone. This isn't a pleasure device. This isn't a device to make you happy. This is a communication device. Do not forget that communication with God, our Father, is more important than communication through this thing. Let's just, just keep that in mind. Okay, vain idols. You might have others. You might have some really sophisticated ones like church. Oh, I love church. Aaron, you're in ministry. Man, ministry can be an idol. Can you imagine your identity without ministry? 
Whew. I'm telling you. It can really twist us up as pastors. All right, he says, those who pay regard to vain idols, which he had had a picture on, the boat of, forsake their hope of steadfast love. It's almost like he's kind of still miffed at the guys, the sailors. I don't know, why is he saying this? Is he still like thinking about, well, they're not as good as me? I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know, I can't figure it out. But then he says, with a voice of thanksgiving, I'm so glad you saved me, God. I'm so glad you rescued me from, you know, death. We'll sacrifice to you, and I will vow, what I have vowed, I will pray. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's where I get the point. I surrender my life to do your will. I surrender my life. I'm going to do what you want, God. Right? Okay. Now, here's the thing. God saves me with his steadfast love. That steadfast love, I'm so glad that verse 8 is there. Steadfast love is a thing. And God saves me with his steadfast love. So here's the thing. You just need to know, and I said this last week, this is a series about love. Jonah, love without borders. You will not be able to take love to your school if you don't know how much God loves you, Kristen. You will not be able to take love with you, Josiah, to work if you do not know how much God loves you. Carson, you're probably back to school. You will not be able to take love back to school, Carson. Tell other people about Jesus if if you don't know how much God loves you, little man. All right. You guys watching online, you cannot go anywhere, do anything apart from, or love anyone apart from knowing how much God loves you. So I want to focus on you right now. I realize that many of you have maybe professed Christ at one point or time. I get that. I'm not asking you if you've had a moment of salvation, right? I have. But today, I want to make a decision, a recommitment. I want to respond to what I see here. I want to be like, I'm not running from God. I'm running towards God. So, God saves me when I don't deserve it. Anybody? Or do you think you do deserve it now? You're like, oh no, I I do deserve it. No, no, I really do now. No, I don't deserve it. So that's still today. God saves me when I call out to him in desperation. Well, I don't know. I'm not very desperate right now. Well, that's a problem. Because God's not in a hurry, right? He'll wait. His love is waiting for you to get desperate for a a new thing with Him. And God's, He saves me when I surrender my life to do His will, okay? And I wrote it this way. God's love is willing to save me, so I surrender my life to do His will and to be His love to others. That's what I'm hoping you'll do. Okay, so let me tell you a story. Again, this is from a comedian. I heard it once and it just impacted me so much I wrote it down. And I was like, man, this is powerful. So I want you to imagine yourself. Let me explain to you. I want want to make it as simple as possible. Let me imagine yourself. Imagine that you're a house. You ever had a house? Building? 
Okay, imagine your house, okay? And outside the house, this is reference to Revelation chapter 3, he stands at the doors and knocks. Remember that he says this to believers. This is the, to the church, not to unbelievers. Just remember that he said that to believers. And outside the house is Jesus Christ, and he wants to come in. But he will never force his way in. He wants you to invite him in. And the reason that some people won't invite Jesus into the house is because you're cool with the way things are right now. Like, my life's pretty good. COVID is hard, but we're good. If you need something, you just kind of walk over to the door, crack it open just a little bit, and go, God, could I have a little rabbit's foot prayer? You say what you need, and then you close the door, and you go back in. and That's not really a relationship at all. Are we clear? That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I ask him when I need something. The reason you won't invite Jesus into your house is because your house is a mess. And nobody knows it but you you think. And so sometimes you like try to clean it up. You're like, well, I'm just going to like tidy up around here and see if it gets better. Or sometimes you might even invite other people into the house to help you clean it up. Sometimes you might get distracted from the mess that it is by other things that you bring into the house. Things that will make it go away. Good movie. Oh, don't have to think about anything. I've brought a lot of stuff into my house in hopes that it will distract me from the mess that I am. But they can't. The only person that can clean it up is standing outside the door wearing an apron with a bucket in his hand, waiting for you to open the door so he can clean up the mess. You don't even have to clean up the mess. He'll clean it up for you. Other people that are here, they used to have Jesus in the house, but for some reason or another, you've tried to evict him. Maybe you didn't like what he was doing with the place, the renovations he had for you. So you moved him to the one room in the house. You know the, the front room, the good room? You know what I'm talking about? At your grandma's house, the room where nobody sits on the furniture. It's towards the front of the house and has this big window so everybody can see in that it's immaculate. All the dishes that don't get used are right there in a china hutch. That room, the good room. So when people walk by, right, they're like, oh, that's great. What a great house. Looks great. Wow. The house is so clean. But the rest of the house is a mess. Wow, look at them. They really love Jesus. They go to church almost every Sunday. They have a Bible in their car. Oh, 
Jesus doesn't have you. He's only got that one room. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? You ever been there before? Maybe you're there right now. He's just got one room. This is why I'm going to ask every one of you listening to my voice to close your eyes right now. Okay, your house, close your eyes. Some people get nervous when pastors do this, but I do this because I want you to be just you and God. I don't want you to worry about whatever people are thinking or feeling or saying or doing. You online, close your eyes. Bow your head before God Almighty. If you know that I'm talking to you, and you've been trying to tuck Jesus away in that one room, the good room, or maybe you've never even let him into the house, through that door I'm going to ask you to do something it's a symbol but it's meaningful I'm going to ask you in a second when I count to three I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just put your hand up high and and what I want you to visualize doing is reaching for the door When you put your hand up, you're reaching for the door. Okay? So on the count of three. If you want to reach for the door and let him in, or let him in again fully into the whole house rather than just the one room, all right, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of one, two, three. Go. All right, lots of hands. That's cool. Pastors always get nervous that people won't respond. They think it depends on them, and it just doesn't. Praise the Lord, eh? We're reaching for that handle. We're saying, God, I want you in here. Please. Now, you can put your hands down. Something else I'm going to ask you to do, and you guys online, you're going to have to just uh, go for this in your own way. But I really want to seal this decision that you're making to let Jesus be a bigger part of your life. Maybe you'll let him in for the first time because salvation is from the Lord, right? Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's the one that gives it to you. So it's very important if you've decided to reach for the doorknob, we're now going to twist the doorknob and we're going to push the door open. Jesus says that If you would take a stand for me before man, I will stand for you before my Father in heaven. So how do you take a stand for Jesus before man? I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. This is the last time we're going to be in this building. I just felt like this was a great time to do it. Everyone who raised their hand or wish they had raised their hand, or knows that they should have raised their hand, on the count of three, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to twist the doorknob and to push the door open. Because Jesus isn't pushing. He's not going to push the door open. If you crack it, he ain't bullying himself through. He wants to know that you want him to rule your life. Jesus didn't bully Jonah. 
God just met him where he was at in the worst part of his life, at the point of death, and he said, hey, I still got work for you to do. I want to be with you. So I'm going to ask you in a symbol to twist the doorknob and to push the door open. And so I'm going to ask you to, at the count of three, stand with me and uh, come up with me, okay? Just stand up here with me. We'll all be together. And you online, you have to do it in your own way. It's very important that we do this because if you can't do this here, where we are proud of you, where we're going to applaud you and be excited for you, then you won't do it out there. I know it's uncomfortable to actually show God that you are all in. But I want you to do it. To stand up, to walk down here. And it's okay because sometimes you have to walk through hard things in life. Maybe you're walking through something hard right now. right here. I'm going to wait. And everyone else is going to clap. But it won't be comparing to the clapping and the rejoicing in heaven, right? Because we know that will be ruckus. Alright, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let's twist the door, let's push it open. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to stand up and come join me right here in front. Alright? together before we leave this place and let's say, God, we're not really interested in a mamby-pamby Christianity with you. We want to do life with you in a way that's powerful. We want you to own the whole house. If I'm a house, I want you all in, right? Thank you guys for joining me up here. making a decision for the first time. I have a box for you down here. This is a box just to get your relationship with Christ started, but I know many of you guys are saved, and you're you're saying, hey man, I'm all in right now, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord, eh? Alright, so here's the thing. I'm going to pray. You pray with me. Father God, in this place, be with us. We know that you love us. We see it in the book of Jonah, how you pursued him through everything. God, we see how your love saves us, how you rescue us, even when we don't deserve it. But when I cry out to you, when I call out to you, when I let you know I need you, God, there's no one else I need. It's just you. And I surrender my life to you, this whole house to you, to your will, then you're going to use me, this house, the whole thing. Clean up the mess, God. Even go in that hallway closet where everything's hiding, you know? Go under the bed and sweep it out and get to wherever you need to be, the attic. Clean it all out. Fill us with your Holy Spirit now, God, please. And create in us a movement of people who will go forward in Jesus' name and for God's glory, loving people without borders. This week, as we go out, 
Help us to love one another and help us to love all the people we come in contact with. Help us to tell them about the love of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can head back to your seat. Please do take the box if you uh, are making a first-time decision because I want you to have that. They're up here at the end, too, if you... uh, like one. So here's the deal. We uh, are on a really special week. We're going back to John Marshall, and there are a bunch of cards in the back. They look like this. They say, you're invited. Just like I invited you up front, just like I invited you to invite God into your whole house, why don't you invite people to come into the house of God this week? We're going back to JM, man. There's no COVID at JM. I mean, that place is pristine. They spray that thing down, man. We got to wear masks. Right? You can sit 20 rows from anybody. Sit in the balcony for all I care. Nobody will be there touching you, right? If you need to tell somebody that to get them there, then great. Otherwise, you can just say, hey, come fellowship with us. We're going to praise Jesus' name, we're going to preach the word after the God who loves us and is running hard after us. So anyway, opportunity. There's a bunch on the back table there where you got communion. Please pick one of these up or as many as you'll hand out this week. Invite everybody. We haven't been able to do this because it says John Marshall, 10 o'clock. Imagine that. My, my mom's been like, what in the world? When are we going back to jam? I get a call like every Monday. Not really. When do I get to invite people again? Here's your opportunity. Steward it well this week, all right? Just like you've invited God, invite other people to be a part of what God's doing in our lives, okay? Because his love is vast and beyond our borders. All right. All right. I think we're going to end right there. Thank you for participating. This is a participation church. Let's not forget that as we go back to JM. We participate in the things of God. We don't just come to church to sit and listen. We come to be a part of it, all right? And I will work at helping you be a part of it more, all right? Somebody better be ready to give a testimony next week to testify to what God's done in their life. You need to be ready for that. When the Spirit speaks through you, that's a powerful thing. All right, let's pray. God Almighty, I love you. I love the time that we've spent together in this place, in this building. It has been an amazing home for us. Thank you for Living Hope Church and the fact that they've shared it with us. Thank you for Jay and Jill Baker for their hospitality and letting us be here. And God, I pray for the teams of people, for my family mostly, who will be uh, getting everything back together and As we go back to JM, I pray that you will bring people to Jesus Christ, that you will fill them with your precious Holy Spirit who reminds us of what Jesus did, who shows us that we're unworthy, but yet he's so willing. He's waiting, actually, to love us. Thanks for filling us up tonight, God. The whole house. The whole house, not just the front room, not just the good room, not just the parts we'll let people see, but now the whole house. So God, our life might still be a mess, but you're now going to start cleaning it up this week. 
And we're going to say, hey, here's who I really am. And here's what I've been going through. And here's how God's changing me. And here's how he can change you too. That's a testimony right there. I pray these things for everyone here. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.